This is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. This is The Feed, York Region's longest-running and exclusive news magazine. I'm Ann Romer. Welcome. Coming up on the show, Pink Shirt Day Concert, Law & Order Toronto, and the new reality of retirement. But we begin with supporting women entrepreneurs. So this was a recent headline that received a whole lot of attention and applause. Quote, more than a million dollars in funding approved to support women entrepreneurs and attract international businesses to York Region. York U and Tree Frog Accelerator have partnered with the Regional Municipality of York Region to give businesses led by international talent and women entrepreneurs a jumpstart here in the region. So this is the kind of stuff that leaves me breathless with anticipation and excitement. Gotta find out more. Please welcome to the feed David Kwok, the Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation for Space at York U. Good to have you with us, David. Thanks so much for having me, Anne. So let's, let's unpack this. Why is this such an important announcement and what will it do in terms of supporting women entrepreneurs? I think that's important on multiple levels because it really shows the region's commitment to entrepreneurs and support, supporting small businesses as well. For women entrepreneurs, we have a program called ELLA, which is our national women entrepreneurship program, supporting women from end-to-end. But we realize there is a lot of small businesses that are women-led in York Region that are consistently looking for support and greater levels of support from mentorship, workshops, um, and et cetera, where we believe we could do more. So we approached the region in, in partnership with TreeFrog to really better understand how we can deliver some of those things and what we've seen from the community in terms of what their needs are to really expedite the growth of these companies and helping them scale and grow. So let's talk about women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Only 17% of Canadian businesses are owned by women in the private sector. That's not very much. Are you hoping, at least in York Region, to increase that? We are, and and, and we've seen 17%, I mean, two years ago, 16%. So there has been a lot of growth growth over the last two years, even though there's a lot of funding being ported. What we hope is that our program really targeting and, and, and using our expertise and what we've learned over the last three years in building women programming is that it's going to expedite some of this, understanding the nuances and what some of their needs are, where some of the challenges that they're facing and helping them overcome that will really draw draw out some of the women entrepreneurs uh, but then also realizing that in some of the more um, smaller towns, for example, our project with the town of Georgina and the town of East Glenberry, where we have a wide space location, about 60% of the participants we work with there are women-led businesses. So we, re- we know they're there. It's just how do we draw them more out and provide them more support so they can scale at a faster rate. And what kinds of businesses are women leading these days? Yeah, a lot of the businesses, what we're finding is professional services, product-based. There are some tech as well, um, but I think it it primarily in the services and product, it's because for a lot of the the women founders, it's about using the skills they already have to build a business they know they can thrive in. So a lot of times it's based off what their expertise is, what their experiences are, or sometimes it's new immigrants and women who are cooking for the community and they're like, wait, I can turn this into a product that I can sell as a catering business, as a kitchen, or as a product. So what we're seeing is that a lot of times it's about what they have experiences are in already, and we don't want to take them away from that. We want to help them scale that and build confidence in that so they can grow those businesses even further. Um, whereas I would say right now a lot of the support is for tech-based businesses, and we want to focus on that as well. 
And as, as they grow, we believe they can become tech-enabled businesses, which, can, which is going to help automate some of the processes and make them a lot more efficient. So we're talking about over a million dollars in funding. So where exactly will that money go and how will women entrepreneurs be supported? What kind of support do they need beyond, well, beyond funding? Yeah, great question. Uh, Beyond funding, we're also going to have educational workshops that's targeting specific things that we've seen that women are, are looking for in terms of their business growth from operational infrastructure and excellence to sales and marketing uh, to finance and cash flow to marketing and branding. There are nuanced pieces of it around leadership as well. How do you, you know, overcome imposter syndrome? How do you go and fundraise? How do you negotiate? Things like that are really important. We are also going to do women networking events twice a year to bring together the community and bring together folks from industry, investors, uh, mentors, and participants to really come together in a room and network and get to know one another and see how they can uplift one another. Part of the other funding as well is going towards international entrepreneurs so that they can come and create soft landing spots in, in York Region and understand how that community can support them in their business growth. So there's a combination of the two that we're going to be pouring our funding into, um, but the bulk of it is also we're providing mentorship for them from anywhere from six months to a year. Because um, what we find is that for a lot of these entrepreneurs, short-term mentoring is great, but there's just a lot more support they need beyond the three months. Mm-hmm. So from a six months to a year, we can set really tactical milestones that we can support them on and focus on step-by-step on how do we achieve those. And so I'm I'm curious why you have blended both the international talent with the women-led uh, entrepreneurs. That that's interesting. Are they in some cases one and the same? They, could some of the international talent be women uh, entrepreneurs? Yeah, there there's there's some cases where where it's the same. Some of our our international entrepreneurs are looking to settle into Canada are women-led businesses, or they they have several different different women members and co-founders on the team. So that's, there's definitely um, synergies there. The other part of it as well is what we realize is that um, in, nor- in the northern, northern six of York region, um, there's a lot of the communities there that are some of the fastest growing populations in the last couple of years. For example, the town of East Glenberry, and we're seeing that in combination with our partnership with them where we have a physical space where there's high uh, percentage of women-led startups. So our belief is that the combination of the two can really help draw out the entrepreneurial ecosystem and build that um, and really focus on how, what can we do in the next couple of years to really make that a strong staple in the community. Have we uh, finally sort of distanced ourselves from COVID, from the pandemic? You know, now we're in 2024. Has that been an issue when it comes to any, any business starting, but in particular women-led uh, uh, businesses? I think we're still seeing the aftermath of it. I don't think it's it's fully over. Um, I think the, the the aftermath of COVID has created a lot of cash flow and financial issues for a lot of folks. Um, what they've seen in the last, say, two years of COVID in terms of business trends and business operations has completely shifted now where folks were, you know, buying online a lot more. It's a lot lower now, but buying power has changed completely from COVID times to now with the inflation. Um, and then folks who were looking for only online now want in person. So a lot of those little nuances are impacting small businesses. But at the same time, I think COVID has allowed them to go online. A lot of the businesses that weren't online and set up properly online has now gone online and we've created programming through our Georgina and um, East Glenberry partnership to create some of those 
I think there's an opportunity now to further uplift that and say, hey, you now have an online platform. How do we activate that and further grow your business through that while continuing your physical and local presence that you have with your customer base? And why York Region? I mean, obviously, you you work for York University, but why York Region? Is it fertile ground for business growth? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a couple things. I think first and foremost, of course, for as York University, we have a campus that's opening in fall of 2024 where we're, where we're going to have 4,000 students, full faculty, um, the building in Markham. So we're really excited about that, first and foremost, being uh, one of the first universities in the York region to be able to support the small businesses with that campus having entrepreneurial focus and lens. Secondly, I think uh, as at York University, we, we have two different physical incubator sites in the region as well, supporting the small businesses, and we have partnerships across the city of Vaughan, city of Richmond Hill, um, town of Newmarket, but we have two sites in Markham and the town of Georgina and East Goldenberry as well, where we're supporting small businesses. So I think for as a university, we've been deeply rooted in the community and we're seeing what the opportunities are. And to your point, there is, just isn't a lot of service. If we look at incubators, accelerators, or entrepreneurial support, they're typically all south of the 401. If we go north of the 401, north of Steel, there really isn't a lot. And we see it as an opportunity to say, those entrepreneurs have not had a lot of access to these opportunities that are local to them. How do we create greater access for them so they don't have to feel the need to travel into Toronto every time they need support or they need resources or just some type of mentorship as well. From your perspective, David, what is the most important aspect of this when it comes to women entrepreneurs and the funding that has just been announced? What 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 can they look forward to as, as in your view, the most integral part of this announcement? I think one of the most integral thing is the community. Um, and I think, you know, I know that word gets overused, but, you know, there's a really strong women community in York Region. There's a bunch of different Facebook groups, a bunch of different um, connection and groups that, that are formed. But I think what they can look forward to from, from our group is really coming in and not only building a community and a safe space for women founders to come together, but also connecting them then to different opportunities that exist within York Region, within Ontario, across Canada, and potentially internationally as well. Just with the suite of programming that we have at Space at York University, we're able to help them not only scale it, within York region, but expand that path into the greater Toronto area, into all of Canada and internationally as well with some of the different partners and programs that we have. So we're really able to support women-led businesses that are from ideation to scale, even if it's going past the Canadian borders and into the U.S. and further. So that type of network, I don't think was there historically, but we're looking forward to bringing that there and supporting these women who are just looking to progress forward. And those women who are looking to progress forward, how do they, what, what, what do they do to navigate this? What's their first step? Where do they go for more information? Yeah, so we're building up the programming right now, but as a, as a first step, we welcome anyone to email us at yspace.yorku.ca. We have a program that's called Idea Constations where we will consult with any small business, business um, in the area to help them understand and navigate the ecosystem. We can we understand that the entrepreneurial ecosystem can be very scary. There is a lot of information on the internet yeah. and it's just sometimes very daunting. So what we try to do through our consultation program is say, hey, just fill this short form that tells us a little bit about your business and what you hope to get out of it. And we will set up a 30 minute consult with our team so that we can walk through based off your business, 
where you're at and what you're looking for, here's three resources for you, or here's three action items for you. And that really helps them create a pathway to what they need to do next. Um, so if they're interested in, in the Jumpstart program, filling out that form, talking to us, we can set that initial idea of what they're looking for, and that will help us create a pathway for them to get into the program when it's ready to launch, but then also create a pathway into other programs that exist in the community that might not be Jumpstart, but it might be our Ella program or our tech program, our food and beverage program, or even Tree Frogs regional program. So there's different opportunities that we can push forward um, as well that they might not have been aware of without consulting us. That's great. That's excellent. All right, just in case you missed it, um, what is that email address again, David? The email is yspace at yorku.ca, and the beginning is just the letter Y. David Kwok, the Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation for YSpace at York U. Thank you very much for your time on the feed. It was great. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the cost of living crunch has many concerned about paying for basic necessities and not planning for retirement. Tina Cortez now with that story. Andrew Fung is acting executive VP pensions with the Financial Services Regulatory Authority of Ontario. Welcome to the feed, Andrew. Thank you, Tina. So take us through the findings of the FSRA's research about what you're calling the new retirement reality. So our latest poll commissioned by us found that about 80% of the people are now more concerned about paying for basic necessities like groceries, rent, and their mortgage payment than saving for retirement. And almost 50% said that the high cost of living is hindering them from starting to save for a retirement. So that's the gist of our poll. Um, and uh, retirement is getting, uh, savings for retirement is getting more and more difficult for people. So basic needs like groceries over retirement savings, that's understandable. We can't be surprised by that. But why do you think planning is probably more important than ever now? Oh, for sure. Um, And and as as you said, understandably, paying for uh, groceries, paying down mortgage is the necessity for today. But savings up for retirement is a necessity for tomorrow. Uh, it's becoming even more important because um, people are living longer, and so potentially the time that people will be spending in their retirement years would be longer. So, uh, retirement is actually one of the more expensive, if not the most expensive, life events that one ever has to face. So uh, I think it's never too late to start planning, and in fact, if you start to plan early, the task will be less daunting. So that sounds easier said than done, right? How do we meet all of those different financial obligations? What can listeners do right now? Yes, it's definitely sound um, challenging. Um, as I mentioned before, um, savings for paying down a debt is a necessity for today. But we're not asking people to sacrifice today for tomorrow. What we want to do is to create that awareness about the importance of retirement savings and start early. Be part of uh, having retirement savings be part of that conversations on day in and day out basis. Be part of that financial considerations. Everyone saves, you know, for you know the future vacations. Everyone saves for um, the, the, the car, but not a lot of people save for retirement because retirement seems a long, 
a lifetime away. But before you know it, it's right in front of us. And that's one of the reasons why at FISRA we have a Pension Awareness Day, uh, which is every third Thursday of February of each year. And the um, reasons for us to have that day is to promote that kind of awareness about the value of belonging to a pension plan and more broadly the importance to save for retirement. So for those who have a workplace pension, what do you suggest in order to keep good records and ensure that they stay connected with their current and perhaps former employer? That's right. There's a lot uh, that one can do. So before we go to keeping connected with the employer, uh, one should take time to learn about the value of the pension pension plans that they belong to. Many people, you know, receive information from the employer about their pension benefits, but they either file away or stock it away or even, you know, worse, discard it without knowing the value of pensions. So take time to understand the impact of pensions on your retirement goals. Uh, take time to understand the impact of pensions if there is any life-changing events. For example, you leave employment or you become sick or when you can retire uh, early and what options do you have. But more importantly, when you leave retirement, make sure that you stay connected with your employer. Um, unlike many years ago where people will stay with one employer forever and ever, very often now people have four or five or six or seven different jobs before they retire. So they might have a job from 30 years ago. They might actually have a pension entitlement they have gone about. Or if they have moved on since then, for example, changing uh, address, moved to a different place, changed their contact information, they have forgotten to uh, update their previous employer to stay connected that way. Um, Our um, recent uh, study indicated there are close to 200,000 of these what I call missing members, people that the plan, plan pension plans cannot find. Um, the value of the pension benefits that they got locked into these pension plans is worth over $3 billion. So it's very important for us to stay connected. Again, Pension Awareness Day is about creating that awareness, about understanding the pensions, but also Uh, um, um, highlighting the fact uh, or the importance of keeping connected with your uh, previous employers if you do have the pension benefits. So you're telling us that thousands of Ontarians lost track of $3 billion. What happens to those funds? Those are capped in the pension plans, uh, and the pension administrators will try their means to locate them. But in some cases, because they are, um, they, they have not been found for many years, uh, so those are stranded funds that stay with the pension plans right now. But imagine that, right? Like if you are entitled to a pension benefit, hard-earned benefits that you earned many years ago, uh, and you're struggling in terms of uh, financial security, you know, you may want to go back and take a look at, you know, your previous employment. Take a look at your T4. Take a look to see if you have some of those statements filed away, um, and uh, and and see if you can uh, get connected, reconnected uh, with 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 uh, with your previous employers. At this, where we have a portal uh, where pension plan members who believe they have a pension benefit somewhere, they can actually enter the information and search up the contact and we can help them with uh, connecting them with their previous employers. And how do our listeners access that portal? It's in our website, fsrao.ca, and you can navigate it to uh, find the site. Andrew, for those of us who find 
planning for retirement a little daunting. What do you suggest we do to get started? Start early. <laughs> um, I'm an actuary by training, and I've done a simple math. If you can save up for a coffee a day, or cut down a cup of coffee a day, or a cup of bu- uh, bubble tea a day, that's six, seven bucks a day. Over a span of 30, 35 years, you will have $150,000. That's just simple math. So start early. As I mentioned before, you start early, the task would be less daunting. Okay, one last question. Best advice for those of us who didn't start saving decades ago and are closing in on retirement? So um, first thing first is, as mentioned, go back and take a look at your previous records of employment to see if you actually, in fact, have access to a pension plan or pension benefits. But if not, I would suggest, you know, working with a, you know, uh, qualified uh, financial planners, uh, financial advisors to actually uh, make sure that you have a retirement savings goal that you can work towards. Great practical advice. Thank you, Andrew. For our listeners who want more information, where do they connect? They can go to FISRA at www.fisrao.ca slash pension awareness. And there's a lot of information there to learn a little bit more about pension benefits and retirement savings in general. Thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you so much. Coming up next on the feed, one-on-one with the mayor of Vaughan. Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back. February, a short month, but a very busy one nonetheless for Vaughn. Let's check in now with Mayor Stephen Del Duca to find out what's happening in his city as we wrap up the month of love and then spring forward to March. (laughs) Welcome to the feed, Mayor Del Duca. It's funny, when I do interviews, I normally read the intro to the guest to make sure that it's okay with them. I like to surprise you, and I love hearing that little giggle every time I read my (laughs) intros to to you in the middle of the interview. So, (laughs) welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, it's great to be back on and you know i i get i get that it's the you know the month of love i've never <laughs> thought of it that way so <laughs> no, you now have i to. have something i can i can go home t- tonight and talk to my wife about it from that perspective thank you for that Anne. i appreciate it i have to coach you on that one you have to say the month of love Oh, yes. Well, I, it's all in the delivery, the month of <laughs> love. There we go. Perfectly done. Your wife's going to love that. Your daughters will as well. <laughs> so 29 days in February this year, each day has been full of challenges and triumphs for you and Vaughn City Council, including tackling the issue of auto theft. And it's a growing issue here in the region. The numbers are shocking. Let's talk about what you did earlier this month. The Federal Auto Theft Summit was held on the 8th of February. What was accomplished? Yeah, so back on February the 8th, the federal government convened a national summit to uh, discuss, I guess, and tackle head-on the issue of auto theft, which has been growing, sadly, here in Vaughan, but not just in Vaughan, across York Region, across the you know the greater Toronto and Hamilton area, and places like Montreal and, and other large urban centers right across the country. So they convened the auto summit, um, the, the auto theft summit, I should say, and you know there's a number of initiatives that, in the lead up to the summit and in the days after the summit, uh, some more funding for, for example, the Canadian Border Services Agency, so that they can tackle this idea of doing more inspections on exports because we've learned 
working closely with York Regional Police, that this is a very sophisticated criminal enterprise that's international in nature. Cars get stolen in Vaughan or in Brampton or in Toronto. They end up in the Port of Montreal a day or two later, or sometimes hours later. They get into the containers and they're shipped to other parts of the world where they command top dollar. And then the criminals use the money that they make from selling vehicles from Vaughan, for example, to actually help fund the rest of their illegal activities, drugs, guns, and a bunch of other really horrible stuff. So that's just one example of what's come out as a result of this summit. I think the summit was good news. I'll say really good news. I'm happy that it happened. I will say to your listeners and to our community, um, in my case and in the case of many other mayors and premiers and police services, we have been asking all levels of government for many, many months to tackle these issues to help us. Uh, So it's good that there's progress. I personally wish it had happened a year ago because a lot of residents in Vaughan have been, uh, they are are nervous, they are scared, they are in some cases heartbroken because uh, they're seeing their property that they've worked hard to purchase uh, be stolen by these criminals. So we got to keep doing it. we got to keep doing more and pushing to make sure we tackle this head on. And why do you think York Region is a prime target? Well, I think the western half of the GTA in particular, again, so Vaughan, Richmond Hill, Markham, Brampton, Mississauga, Toronto, if you think about how we're, we're close to a lot of the logistical industries, a lot of container yards, a lot of major 400 series highways, you can steal a car, for example, in Kleinberg. You can be on the 427 down to the 401 and in Montreal in six and a half or seven hours at the port and have, as I mentioned just a moment ago, into a container and being shipped within 24 hours. It's that level of organization and that level of sophistication that we are literally witnessing. So residents have been calling me. When I go grocery shopping or I'm at a community center, people will come right up to me. They'll tell me their personal stories about what they're experiencing. Here's, Here's something a lot of people don't even know, and this is another scary thing. There are, in some cases, people who are having their homes broken into because the thieves are looking for their vehicle keys. Mm, that's awful. And, and so they're, they're breaking into a house, they're stealing the keys, they're stealing the vehicles, and off they go. Residents are, have been kind of at their wit's end saying, what can be done about this because the numbers have been going in the wrong direction? I've lived here for close to 40 years, and Bond's always been a safe community. I am determined on my watch to make sure it remains a safe community. We need the feds, the province, and uh, and all of us, frankly, to work together to make sure that, that that is the case. And YRP, I tell you, that's one of the greatest forces in this country. We, I never, ever get tired of reminding our residents that we are so, so blessed to have York Regional Police, Chief McSween here in Vaughan, you know, Superintendent Beverly, the entire team in District 4 and District 2, they do a phenomenal job. And frankly... When I introduce YRP representatives at any one of our public events, they get far bigger cheers than almost <laughs> anyone else. Them and the firefighters, the two of them, Bonfire Fire and Rescue Service is also exceptional, as are our paramedics. Our emergency responders in Vaughan are beloved, and understandably so. And rightfully so, absolutely. By the way, uh, Mayor Del Duca, are you still offering free key fob protection bags? We are. This is an initiative that I brought forward that Council endorsed to provide I believe we purchased about 12,000 key fobs for, for those who are listening who don't know. It's a little pouch you can put your, your vehicle key into, the key fob into, and it helps to interrupt the signal because, again, the criminals are sophisticated. They're using all kinds of technology to get the car off the driveway and off, you know, off to wherever they're taking it. 
We offered up 12,000, I think, at each of our community centers right around the city. We still do have several hundred that are left. I'd encourage listeners, if they want one, you just got to show up, provide ID, you should prove that you're living in the city of Vaughan, and you'd be able to get one of those key fobs, no problem whatsoever. Earlier this week, Mayor Del Duca, you reached out to the residents of Vaughan asking, in this case, for their thoughts, their observations, even their advice when it comes to making Vaughan more accessible. Why is it important to hear from the community? Well, look, you know, as a municipality, as a community, and we're not alone in this, for many years now, we have collectively been talking about the need to build inclusive and barrier-free cities, neighborhoods, towns, all of it, so that every single one of our residents, regardless of the level of ability, can have access, universal access to services, facilities, programs. And so as you're charting a multi-year accessibility plan and trying to pull one together, which we are, um, you want to make sure that you're hearing from the residents, in particular the residents who are impacted directly by, by barriers. And some of the barriers are obviously very visible. Some of the barriers are, are things that, you know, a person who doesn't face the same, the same challenge, if I can put it that way, would necessarily recognize. So hearing from people who are directly impacted or who have loved ones who are impacted by, by barriers is so, so important to us. That's why we're doing the outreach. I know that our city staff are evaluating the progress that we've made so far, we're evaluating the feedback that we're getting. Um, I'm really happy. Um, I, from what I understand, there was a great level of participation in this process, and I think that's so important to making sure that we get this done the right way. I want us to now spring forward to the month of March. Friday, March the 8th, Vaughn is hosting an event to celebrate International Women's Day, but what I want to do is turn the focus on you personally. How influential have the women in your life been when it comes to you as a man, you as a person, you as a, as a politician, you as the mayor of Vaughn? Well, I, you know, I've had a lot of blessings in my life, Anne, like really and truly being, you know, born in this city, born in this country, this province, uh, you know, all kinds of opportunity. Um, it, it was it literally from state since day one. It's been like winning the lottery over and over and over again. I would say probably my biggest blessing was to have had so many strong um, female or women role models in my life, very close to both of my, my grandmothers, my dad's mom and my mom's mom. I spent a lot of time around both of them. I still have so many fond memories. I had both in, in my life until I was an adult, so they were around me. I learned from them. I still think of them very, very fondly. I can think of the lessons that they taught me and my brothers and my sister. Uh, my own mom, my own mom who lives in Vaughn, uh, you know, the last number of years she's had a few issues, like people who get getting a little bit older tend to have from time to time. Uh, but she's someone that I try to talk to every single day. I, I think about my love of reading, for example, that is, and I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. Uh, that's something that I know was instilled in me very early on by my mom. She and I used to read together. Wow. Uh, I can think back to my earliest times in elementary school when I was struggling with my times tables. It was my mom who kind of sat me down and went through them with me and helped me understand them and explain them and then kind of drilled me on them to the point where I ended up becoming very, very proficient, if I can put it that way, in times tab time tables. That's back in grade, you know, grades two, grades three, grades four. I won. My daughters always roll their eyes when I share this story. In grade three, I won the school-wide speech contest. It was my mom who helped me pick the topic, by the way. And what was the, the topic? topic? Was, the topic was responsibility. Talk about, oh. talk about a riveting topic. But I actually went on to win the speech contest, not just for my grade, but for the whole school. 
And it was my mom who helped guide me through that process. So those are just a few of the examples. I love her dearly. I would do anything for her because she's literally given her whole life to me and to my brothers and my sister. And of course, in my own household today, I am surrounded by three incredible women, my own wife, Utilia, and our daughters, Talia and Grace, who are 16 and 12. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm outnumbered in the household, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And I love them all dearly. And I'm so, so, again, so fortunate to have them all in my life. And what's the best piece of advice that your daughters have given you so far about you, how you are and how you should be the mayor of Vaughn? <laughs> I think deep down my daughters love my dad jokes, but, they're, <laughs> but they really, I get, I get eye rolls beyond compare when I try to tell those dad jokes in front of their friends. Uh, and I do that all the time. I do, because I derive a great deal of pleasure from making my daughters uncomfortable in front of their friends. It's actually one of the, one of the greatest things I get to do. Not, not, not just as mayor, but as, but as a dad. I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, you, listen, there's a reality show in there somewhere, <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right, let's talk about one thing that I know you've become very fond of, and it's the mayor's annual address at the Vaughan Chamber of Commerce luncheon that's coming up on March the 20th. So I, I think I may have asked you this last year. When do you start writing speeches that are this important? Do you, do you start months in advance? Are you a, a last-minute Lenny? When do you really put pen to, <laughs> pen, pen to paper the old-fashioned way and put it all together? Well, so I, I normally try to make the decision fairly early on about what the key, I guess, central theme will be about any major speech. You don't always get that opportunity, but with something like this, because it comes up at an annual, it's an annual occurrence, and I know well in advance what the date is, uh, March 20th, it's going to be great. The Bond Chamber of Commerce does great work with the whole thing. I believe I made the decision about what this year's central focus would be back in December. Hmm. Um, and, then it's, and then it's a process to, to kind of consider and then decide what are the things that you want to feature in in your remarks last year, it was all about gridlock, which was the central, again, theme of my election campaign. This year, it's going to be a little bit different. And while it's not a, it's not a finished, uh, a finished work yet, it's still a work in progress. I think, I think people are going to be uh, really excited about what we're going to be talking, what I'm going to be talking about coming up on March 20th. And will you read this speech to your mother before you actually present <laughs> it to the Chamber of Commerce on the 20th? <laughs> Get her approval. I, I don't. You know, I don't think I did that last year, but that's one heck of a suggestion. So my poor mom is going to have, she's going to tell me that I was better in grade three than I am now, I think, probably. So. I think I like your mom <laughs> also, a lot. I think I like your mom. <laughs> Also, in grade three, I'm pretty sure the time limit was three minutes. Now, as a so-called seasoned politician, I, I, there's no speech I can deliver in under 20 minutes. So, so we, we always have far too much to say. You know, if you ever get <laughs> if you ever get tired of politics, if you decide that you've had enough of being the mayor of Vaughan, and that's never going to happen, but if you do decide to change careers, you could be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, maybe only only if it was on radio, only if it was 105.9. <laughs> oh, that's great. I appreciate it. You're wonderful. Thanks so much. This was fun. I look forward to speaking with you in March, and we will have, as always, lots to talk about. And uh, thanks for this. Sounds great. Thank you for this opportunity, as always, Anne. You take care. And you as well. And all the best to your the women in your life. After the break, Law and Order, a Canadian version. This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Please stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region.
Welcome back. I'm Ann Romer. Next on the feed, an award-winning singer-songwriter is leading with kindness. Jim Lang with a preview of the Pink Shirt Day concert. Well, he's a Juno-nominated singer-songwriter. He's a fixture in New Market, New York region, and he has made anti-bullying his calling card, and he's done so much good work in the community, and he's doing it again. Thrilled to be joined by Glenn Murray in the feed. Glenn, how are you? No, I'm good. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I know in 2017, uh, you became uh, fairly famous going viral with an anti-bullying song. Uh, it was called Say My Name Canada. You were a part of it. The Say My Name song got over 2 million hits on YouTube. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau shouted you out. And we thought, great, this is a great way to put an end to bullying in York Region. But here, there's a need for you to do it again, Glenn. Yeah, it's... Uh things have really changed i think with everybody the kids going back to school after covid and and the system not really addressing the mental health issues that arose from that and and we're starting to see that kind of be manifest in the behavior that's coming into the school system and that's what we've been hearing from my friends that i work with and and colleagues from the past that the issues of bullying are probably worse than they've ever been which is which is disappointing and sad to think in 2024 that 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 is that bad glenn in society well i mean it's kind of reflective too of what's going on right like the the whole world seems to be a right right versus wrong kind of mentality and i think one of the big issues that you know with um kids going back to school without the proper supports or or a gradual kind of um acclimatization to getting back to being around people when you've locked people away for two years during key development years is you you get a lot of anxiety that manifests as fear and anger right Mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of talk about mental wellness but there's very little actually being done and there's not enough resources and um, the kids are the ones who are suffering usually when you know when I'm working with kids and there's a kid in the class or a few that are lashing out or acting out. The basic, you know, psychology of that is they're looking for attention for some reason or another, right? Mm -hmm. But on a deeper level, the system as a whole is suffering because these kids were put back into this situation coming from a very unrealistic situation and not given that support to, to ease that transition. And I saw it with my own kids. It's like, back to school, and here's your homework, same level as before, and let's get going, you know. Meanwhile, they're basically given a, f- a free pass during COVID to not have to do the same um, work level. And they had no socialization. And the impacts are, are, are pretty severe, you know. And to that end, to make a difference, you're going to be hosting a live stream event at the Stephen Leacock Theater in Georgina, February 28th, in honor of Pink Shirt Day, that annual event against bullying that's held in Canada and New Zealand. And it's a great way for the community and the region to get together, listen to your great music, but more importantly, get the word out to, to stand up against bullying. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really pumped because, you know, when we did, uh, my partner and I, Dave Robinson, and I also uh, Lynette Stevenson, we... We were doing stuff in schools and in the community. It was face-to-face and a lot of legwork. So Dave and I have been speaking about this, and I also work with a woman named Mickey Eves, and we do our in-person stuff together. But we're like, to be most effective, let's not let's take the comfort level with streaming that exists because of COVID and take what we're doing 
do one event. So we partnered with George, the township of Georgina to run it from the Stephen Leacock Theater and just blast it out on, over the Internet and make it accessible to schools. So we're getting sponsorships for that. We're looking for more sponsorships to make it available to more schools. And we've lowered the rate. It's a very, very reasonable rate for schools to purchase this stream and see an incredible concert with our band. We have a guest speaker. And we're just going to be talking to, talking, getting real with, with people. So the, the logo that we have is get real, get kind. And, and that's what we're going to be doing. It's like, you know, we know you guys have been going through a lot. And, and the, that's the message we're just going to be sharing is that, like, we, we want to hear, hear what people have to say so we can try and help them out. That's basically where the message is. For sure, you can get more details and register at glennmarais, dot C-A. We'll get to the keynote speaker in a second. The cost is very reasonable, $300 per school. It's going to be live streamed beginning 11 a.m. on February 28th, and it's a leap year this year, and that will go to midnight on March 1st. So it's a lot of opportunity for schools all around the region at some point over those two days to check out the concert and hear the speakers and maybe get the message through. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, I think we're, the way we're going to deliver the message is, like, it's, it's going to be really positive and encouraging and just kind of trying to get people to to be open about talking about mental wellness. That's the big part of the message is just like, hey, man, we're all in the same. Um, I, I, I like the analogy that came over from COVID is, like, we're all in the same lake in different boats, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very true. Um, your keynote speaker sounds fascinating. Let the listeners know about Elena Rene, who's a Keswick High School student and a social activist and, and sounds like a, a person with a fascinating background. Yeah, you know, I, I met Elena in my friend Karen Simpson's class. It was a writing class. And I was immediately taken by her intelligence and, and compassion for particularly to us LGBTQQIA plus rights and but now she's she's become a real strong voice and advocate for social justice and humanity in all areas, and and she's she's tireless. Like she's constantly posting and and really bringing awareness to key issues around the world. But particularly for a young person to be so astute and so aware and so driven to make a difference, it was a, it was an easy choice. I didn't even think twice about asking her to come and speak and share. What she's doing, because I think she's going to become a real change maker in the future, hmm. and I'm I'm super excited just to see the kind of things that she's going to do, you know. And so to have her there, uh, with us at our inaugural event, which we're hoping to do every year or two, is just amazing. I I think yeah. about you, Glenn, and, and your your skills and abilities and talent as a singer and songwriter and musician and the impact you've made in the region and across the country. And then I think about you as a musician starting out. Did you ever think your journey would take you to where you are right now? <laughs> no, not at all. I was just trying to figure out how to play. And <laughs> <laughs> make you know, some music, right? Writer, I started out writing songs as soon as I started to play. And I, I, th I found that it was stories that really connected me to songwriting. And I think that's probably the one constant in all of the things that I do is, is is learning and sharing stories through my music and and all these great stories and opportunities that have come my way have been from being open to uh, hearing these stories and trying to 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 get involved because I've been moved by it you know do you ever get feedback that surprises you uh, 
I got feedback that makes me feel really grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I try to take it with a grain of salt, you know, and people come up to you after a show and say, that was great and all these things and they're really nice. And But I mean, I, I've, the reason I'm doing it is just because I, I love, I love it. And I, I, I recognize that just in this town alone, <laughs> there are, there are at least 10 guys who can just blaze on guitar, you know, and yeah. there's some incredible singers and I'm just a part of this amazing music community. And, and it's a blessing, man. Like we're all really good friends and supportive. So I, I think like Georgina and Newmarket and Aurora has some of the best musicians in the world. Well, I know we're a little biased because, you know, from the decade this radio station's been on the air, we've been uh, a big fans of yours, what you do as a musician, but more importantly, what you do in the community. Glenn Murray, glennmurray.ca, who will be at the Stephen Leacock, uh, Stephen Leacock Theater in Georgina, February 28th, and on our Pink Shirt Day for this live stream event. It's going to be live stream beginning at 11 a.m. on the 28th. Go to his website, uh, get schools to register. If they're not, just get in the ear of the VP and the principal, nudge them and say, hey, this is not going to cost a lot of money. Let's live stream this and get the message out because there's not a school in New York region that doesn't have some kind of bullying issue and this could go a long way to maybe helping people. Yeah, it's very true. Sadly, that still exists, but we, we just did a school this week and you know we go in class to class and the one thing that I can say I took from this is that they really, really want to talk about what's going on. They were so grateful to have the opportunity to just say what's happening with them and how they're feeling. Huh. And 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 that's an important thing for people to remember is like maybe put the math book aside for part of the day and just like let your kids talk, man. Glad and that's you. one of the things like we want to share through this thing, and it and it really is a great deal, you know, but to for one school to pay for an awesome event like that. Glenn, thank you so much for what you're doing. I hope everyone, all these schools in the region, get on it and be a part of it. February 28th, 11 a.m. at the Stephen Leacock Theater in Georgina. Uh, Glenn, you're making a great difference in the community, making great music. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, and keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you're a big fan like I am of Law & Order... Get set for the Canadian edition, Shaliza Bacchus investigates. Law and Order has been a staple in family rooms across the world for as long as I can remember. I think the show might actually be older than me, but we'll revisit that. But the difference now is that it is finally taking place in a Canadian city. Joining the feed to tell us all about Law and Order Criminal Intent is actor Casey Collins. How are you? Well, I don't know if I can tell you all about Law <laughs> At Toronto, but hey, I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do. Well, you're gonna do your best. You're gonna do your best now, Casey. Before we start talking about the plot of the show, you're a Toronto native. So, how does it feel to be working on a show set in your own city? I mean, I will I will keep it concise. It feels fantastic. I'll be honest. It feels so good. That's it. I can elaborate if you want. But <laughs> I would. I, I would love just, to. <laughs> yeah. No. Honestly, listen. I I am from here, and um, my greatest memories are from here. And so, you know, and I started my acting career from here. And just to see the progression of how we treat our city on screen, this right now, in my opinion, is we're at the height of that. And um, hopefully we can go higher. You know, I've sort of rekindled, you know, old relationships through this. Time sort of pulls people apart. And now I have, you know, the connection of people 
messaging me on whether it's on social media or, you know, to my phone or whatever, just saying congratulations and big up to our city and all of this stuff. And it's like, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. It's I, and I'm so proud for you. Like I am so happy that this is finally coming around like decades later. And I'm sure we can figure out what the show is about, but how is this spin-off different than the others? Well, I, I think it's um where it started to where it is right now. I mean, like you said, the show's been going on probably longer than you were born. <laughs> right? But we're gonna check on that. <laughs> and um and so it already has sort of this, it has this built-in audience that you feel responsible for, right, with with our show. But at the same time, you do want to give them something different. I think our city alone just does that. You know, the original is, it takes place in the U.S. Listen, it's, um, I know I'm stuttering, but it's because it's hard to articulate these feelings sometimes, you know. It's, it just, it's, a, it's a sensation you can't really articulate. No, definitely a hundred percent. I, like I said, I just can't imagine the amount of pride, and the whole city is going to be watching, going to be behind this show, and it's going to be a thriller. It's going to be, it's going to mess with your head, I'm sure. But how are these cases and storylines in the show going to be relevant to the Toronto setting? How is this going to be different than New York, for example? Honestly, there's crime everywhere, and in a weird way, crime is crime, but it's it's different depending on where it's taking place. The rest of the world thinks Canada is just, you know, everything is just clean and um, there's nothing to worry about. Leave your doors open. It's all good. <laughs> it's Canada. Uh, anything happens, they'll apologize for it. Um, well, it's unfortunately, that's not the case. And um, we do have crime. The crime is not necessarily going to be different. It's just the fact that people are not aware that we have crime or the type of crime that we have so i think just that that little that little essence right there is enough absolutely to, to really drive the show tell us about what your favorite part about working on the show was if you can even pick one no i can't pick one but if i must pick one <laughs> <laughs> you know i think it's really seeing the guest stars work on the show because as much as we are getting the press for the show you know when people see the shows they're going to be so impressed with our guest stars they bring so much. And if you are you a Law and Order fan? Yeah, I uh, am actually. Right. So you remember, I'm sure you remember episodes and you can remember the guest stars and probably their name. And and now the interesting thing about it, when you look back, you see people who are now stars or iconic, right? They were just mm -hmm. guest stars back then. So I'm really happy about that. We're getting to expose such talent in this city and, and those people are getting their, their just due. Absolutely. And a lot of the casting is Canadian, correct? Yes. Yes. I can't put an, a percentage on it, but I, I think it's way up there. Okay. And okay, we, we're going to kind of circle back to the fact that this show is probably older than a lot of us, but how can it appeal differently to people who have been following the Law & Order series for decades versus people who are maybe only now diving in? Well, I think that's sort of the smart thing about the uh, the Wolf universe, right? In my opinion, if you want to sort of appeal to the audience that's been with you from day one, you keep a lot of the elements the same, the core elements. You keep those the same and you you shake up a few things. Like I think bringing something to a like this to a different city is one way of doing it. Now, when you're trying to introduce it to the new audience, such as myself, to be honest, 
I think even if you're a new audience member, you know the theme song, you know the dun dun, you know <laughs> you you know those those things. And so same thing, the vice versa. If you keep those elements and you polish it a bit, you make it a little bit, you know, more shiny and you you make it more relevant to them like bringing it to a, a city that they can relate to then you're exposing them you're 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 sort of just you're you're exposing the new audience to something that they'll want to be a part of because listen the messages and stuff that i see and that i'm getting these people were never watching a lot of these people were never watching the old law and orders right because it was just it was a little bit sort of before them mm -hmm. and now they're excited because they're seeing faces that they know they're seeing talent that they know they're they're seeing their country or their city as part of it absolutely long-winded but i i promise the answer's in there <laughs> no a hundred percent it definitely is and one last thing i mean we we kind of touched on this in the beginning this is putting toronto on the map internationally and this is differently putting toronto on the map compared to you know drake's calling us the six all the time so how is this different than that to you um well besides the medium not everyone and shout out to drake but not everyone can relate to the six right not everyone people you know t dot still exists for some people straight toronto still exists for some people and so you're just naturally hitting a different sort of segment of the city by having something that is you know visual rather than audio and and having something that has a track record I think that's how you're doing it. Love that. All right. The first episode of Law & Order Toronto Criminal Intent just aired on Thursday night. It is available to stream on the City TV Plus app. And Casey Collins, we are looking forward to seeing you on our screens. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. If you missed any part of the feed, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you so very much for listening.